0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: You're listening to Tony Telecasts from The Ensemble List, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano and I'm Moe Brady.
0: Welcome back, listeners, to our mini-series about the Tonys, bringing you all the drama behind the drama of a theater season in Broadway history.
1: In each podcast episode, we will watch a telecast of the previous Tony Awards, not only the performances, but the opening and speeches, to see how it reflects the season as a whole. So let's dive in and continue our talk about the 1988 Tony Awards.
2: But everything you learn there will help when you return The light well, is getting but I think I
0: see a glimmer. The first nominated performance was from the original Broadway production of Into the Woods. was the prologue narrated by Angela Lansbury and Children Will Listen.
1: (laughs) Aaron, first thoughts? Very, very first thoughts is I love Into the Woods. Mm -hmm. I I think we all grew up on Into the Woods and especially doing the prologue, I was like, this is the perfect way to advertise this show. It just Mm -hmm. gives the whole show in a nutshell. But then my second thought was... Wait, this is B-roll. Oh, are we here again? We're just going to get pre-recorded footage into a performance. Which was fine, because I feel like the live performance began at Children Will Listen. right? I think you're right.
0: That feels yes. right to me.
1: So my favorite thing about watching this performance was during the prologue, when the witch comes out, I was like... Oh,
0: when the witch is like dressed up like an old... As the witch.
1: Th- witch, with like." Right prosthetics and mask i was like that's not that doesn't look like Bernadette." maybe maybe they used covers because bernadette has to come out as real witch later
0: they got to do a quick change
1: so i had no idea so i was like okay maybe this is just like stand-in witch for the prologue before she comes up beautifully and then we get to children will listen and out walks felicia rashad (laughs) and i said oh wait a second where's bernadette the googling begins (laughs) (laughs) And that's when I like literally had to pause and be like, what happened? Where's Bernadette? Is Felicia Rashad the witch? Is she the original witch that I just didn't know about? And Bernadette's on the recording? Like all of these questions, which I feel like you had the same questions, right?
0: Yes. So I had remembered that Felicia Rashad was a replacement, but I didn't realize that Bernadette had left... Before the Tony Awards. So this show opened in September and Bernadette left in March. So I don't know if she was not eligible or I mean, I assume she was eligible because lots of shows that close in the fall are eligible for Tony Awards. Yeah. But she just wasn't, she wasn't in the show anymore. So, I mean, it's like, it's like Jane Lynch doing Little Girls in Annie. I guess there you go. That's
1: true. I was floored. It, it, It shook me so hard. And it took me until the end of the number to get over my shookness.
0: In similar shookness, this cast, I think, because of that PBS great performances, this cast is legendary in my mind. Yes. And the fact that only Robert Westenberg as Cinderella's Prince and the Wolf and Joanna Gleason are nominated. Yes. Is wild it's it
1: wild
0: kind of reminds me of the secret garden how we don't see mandy patinka nominated or rebecca Luker. it's like but yeah what, what, are what they is doing? that
1: i don't even <laughs> like there's too many brilliant people in this show and again you're right maybe it's like our biases because we literally grew up watching this show but like mm-hmm. where's chip Zine? where's i forget the woman who, who who played cinderella kim crosby yeah kim crosby little red what's her name danielle Oh, see, it's bad. I don't know any of these names because I just know them as Little Red. yeah, (laughs) The definitive Little Red and the definitive Jack and the definitive everybody. Yeah, there's like... Like Chuck Wagner's chilling in there. So many people that I'm just like, only the two of them? Granted, they deserve it. But still, Mm -hmm. I feel like this could have swept the nominations.
0: And yet, because we're here in a season with Behemoth, The Phantom of the Opera, Yeah. Yeah, and so that's the next performance. We see the title song and music of the night, which I feel, which is so interesting because I feel like I've seen this mashup of the Phantom of the Opera for the last 30 years. Well, can I tell you, we've
1: seen this mashup in three of the four Tony performances that we've watched. We've literally, I
0: know, and we always have to take ourselves out of it and be like, okay, this is the first time. This
1: is not historical. This is legit this is the happening. first time. That's what's crazy about it. It's like yeah. we watched it at the year of the musical actor in 1991. We watched the 25th anniversary in 2013, and then their inaugural performance in 1988. We should just rename this the Phantom of the Opera podcast.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh Uh-huh. What are the names of the two old men who run the opera house? That's honestly the two roles for us. (laughs) Honestly.
1: Why did I just think that it was like Waldorf and... Statler and Waldorf. Waldorf.
0: Perfect. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That's literally us in Muppet form at this point.
0: Just in the one box at the Bidscoff, where they hang the Broadway Cares flags during the Easter Bonnet. Uh Just you and me up there being like...
1: Just
3: heckling. Berta Peters left in March. (laughs) Ho, 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 ho.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Okay. I thought this was simple but effective. I don't know. What did you think? It's fine. The most interesting thing to me is how Angela Lansbury introduces it. Oh, go ahead. She says... Quote, Through the brilliant interweaving of Andrew Lloyd Webber's music and Hal Prince's stagecraft, we are made to feel we are experiencing it for the first time. The touching and bizarre tale of a man's haunted love for a young singer who becomes his voice is like nothing we've ever seen before.
3: <laughs> Firstly, okay. first off,
0: I think we're projecting a win for Phantom, sure. which I don't think was a shocker, but like it reminds me of how Rosie describes the Lion King as the best musical I've ever seen before
1: best musical is announced. Yeah. Definitely. showing her cards a little bit in terms of her bias.
0: Yeah. Secondly, this this description is icky, right? This
1: description is revisionist history right here.
3: Like, (laughs) This is
1: very clearly pre the Me Too movement because whoa, I was like, wow, a man's haunted love. Way to paint your protagonist in the best light possible. Haunted love. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Uh-huh. With the Lucky Landslot, you can get lucky just about anywhere. no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Sarafina.
2: Sarafina.
1: Okay. Did you know anything about Sarafina before? I watched
0: the movie and I remember dancing around the living room to the movie soundtrack as like a 10 year old a lot. Same. I remember, okay.
1: I remember watching this movie because I think it came out in 1992. Feels right. Yeah, and I believe I got into this movie because Whoopi Goldberg was in it, and this was this was like peak Sister Act, Sister Act 2 time. Oh my gosh. Like, And so I was like, okay, I want to watch everything that Whoopi's in, especially if it's a musical, let's go. I remember loving it, but clearly I was too young to really understand what any of it was about. Right. After watching this telecast, I definitely looked it up on streaming services to see if it was around. It's not anywhere. So I look forward to watching it again when it is available to me.
0: It really made me want to see a revival of it. Yeah. Because I'm like, how would 2020 take on this show? Sure. One of the things I think was most interesting, and I didn't realize was sort of like the hook, the marketing hook, was that it was performed by South African children, quote unquote, of apartheid. Yeah. Which they call, they call them performing in the show rather than
1: professional performers. Which I'm like... Which
0: always makes me laugh. I'm like, if you're getting paid, you're a professional. Sorry,
1: that's... That production attention. salary minimum begs to differ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I feel like that's one of those marketing decisions where everybody wins. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because the performers for me
0: were a little dead-eyed, even though they sounded glorious. Like the music is so... so good. Yeah, they are a little dead-eyed. And I was like, I don't know what the story is, but I like the
1: singing. Well, and I'm wondering if that, because we were children and didn't know anything outside of the four walls of our house, if the struggle in South Africa was a lot more culturally present at the time. And so everybody would have already, would have known exactly what this show is about. And those of us. Particularly
0: to Upper West Side Lincoln Center audiences who are like going down to the pristine walls of Lincoln Center Theater to get a look into. Yeah. Yeah. Challenges of people
1: in third world countries and how they triumph over adversity. Sure. Sure. I will say I do love, because I didn't know back in the day. The movie starred Lelette Kumalo as Serafina, who originated the show on Broadway and was nominated for Best Featured Actress. And all I could think of was, oh, look, a movie adaptation that's transferring over your Broadway leads. That'd be nice. (laughs) Anything Goes. Okay, so this is the season of The Phantom of the Opera versus Into the Woods. Oh, side
0: note, there's also Patti Lapone playing Reno Sweeney in Anything Goes. Like, what in the heck? For sure. It is incredible. Her singing this song every time she sings any of those. You're just like, yes, Patti Lapone, That is exactly what I want to hear right now is you singing
1: the title song to Anything Goes. What a perfect warble <laughs> to bring this role back that was originally associated with Ethel Merman.
0: Okay, so you can see how when we get the roundabout theater revival and we get Sutton Foster, we're gonna like tap, 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 tap it up, mm-hmm. right? We're, we, our Reno Sweeney is gonna
1: be a tapper. Mm-hmm.
0: Do we need Paddy Lapone to tap? I wasn't convinced that I needed Paddy Lapone to tap. What do you think? I
1: mean, I don't know anything goes at all. So do we need Reno Sweeney to tap? Because according to this performance, we kind of need Patty LaPone to tap. It's fine that she doesn't <laughs> because she definitely doesn't. But I was like, cause I would assume that Ethel Merman didn't tap. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna assume that, I'm gonna assume that was a clean park and park.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, Patty made a good effort in this number. And I think she faked pretty darn well for a majority of the number but it was when it got to like a solo part where she was doing some like Maxi Ford turns where I was like, oh, oh girl.
0: To me, that's no T no shade about Patty Lapone That's about how you create a vehicle for your leading lady. Sure. There is a way to stage that. I mean, the show won Best Choreography, yes, so obviously they were doing something right. But there is a way to stage an incredible version of the title number of anything goes starring Patty Lapone, where you don't make her do anything. Maxi Ford turns <laughs> in the clearance.
1: For <laughs> sure. Real. Anything. Uh-huh. But I mean, I thought it was a great number. My favorite, one of my other favorite aspects of that number is you got the whole company, which is awesome. And this dancing ensemble is dancing for their lives and killing it. That singing ensemble up in the balcony, I was like, this is the easiest money that has ever been made on the Tonys. Nah, it's the same
0: thing as the kinky boot swings on the on the moving staircase. <laughs> okay, okay. And everybody say say yeah. Fair. They're probably not pre-recorded, so they're probably singing live.
1: Oh, may- that might be real. They might not even be singing, who are we talking? They're probably just standing up there, living their lives on the, what, poop deck? What is it, what is it called in a cruise ship?
0: Moving
3: on. Okay,
2: With the Lucky Land you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Fourth
0: fourth nominated performance, a show I knew nothing about. Romance, romance, with a two-song performance. I'll always remember that song, and it's not too late.
1: Like, I don't know anything about the show, and so learning that it's like this quote-unquote same love in two different time periods... Was interesting because mm-hmm. all I know about the show is it has some songs that college kids sing because no one really knows the show. I
0: literally wrote, This is probably some good audition music to put in your book because it's catchy and no one's ever heard of it.
1: <laughs> it was one of those shows where one person sings it in vocal coaching class and everyone else is like, Hey, what's that song from? And then we all go mine the rest of that show <laughs> to see for, to look for more songs. That was Romance, Romance. So
0: for me, this was a new show. This for you, this was your young adult.
1: (laughs) Thanks, BFA. Okay,
0: so I wrote that that the first half of the show looks adorable and the second half is cringable. However, you wrote the opposite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't write the opposite, but the first half of the show looks adorable. The second half of the show looks like everything my 80s dreams wants to see in a show.
0: It is like the second half of Sunday in the Park with George if Sonheim didn't write it. Perfect. It is very 80s, but it is not sort of intellectual in its
1: 80s. It's so 80s. It's so 80s. It's good. But Scott Bakula and
0: Alison Fraser are... Bay, They are both adorable. I (laughs) I was like, Scott Bakula, you can lead all of my musicals. Well, Scott Bakula,
1: I was like, wait, where in life was Quantum Leap? Was it before or after the show? I was like, did he get Quantum Leap from his performance in Romance Romance?
0: Oh my God, we can only hope so. (laughs) 1989 through 1993. So Quantum Leap is, like, immediately after this. So, arguably, he,
1: like, this was his vehicle to get into Quantum Leap. Wonderful. Good job, Scott Piper. Without Romance Romance, we would not have had Quantum Leap. Get into it, guys. <laughs> Alton Fraser, because we've already established in this episode, in all of the shows that I grew up with, I didn't know who these people were. I just knew the characters that I loved. So, when she started singing, I was like, wait, I know that voice. Wait, is this Martha? Is this Martha? It is Martha. This is Martha, pre-Martha.
0: Yeah. And that's why Martha is a Tony-nominated role in The Secret Garden. And Lily is not because people were already obsessed with her. And she was already a Tony
1: nominee. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Here's my question. Do you think, because this show was made up of four people. Scott Bakula and Alison Frazier. And then the dancers who were...
0: Deborah Graham and Robert Hozier.
1: Yes. So they were doing the dancing. Do you think we had, because this is the way you and I think, do you think they were their covers? Or do you think we had...
0: Oh, you think I didn't look this up? They had standbys. <laughs> they had standbys that covered both roles. Oh, works! So, there's, so... so there were six people who were in the building. They were... Yeah, and the covers covered both the primary person and the dancer. So those covers were fierce. Yeah, they better have been. Those
1: standbys were arguably the most talented people in the room.
0: Except for Scott Bakula.
3: <laughs> Fair. Cannot guide you. now you're on your
0: own. Before we talk about our Yelp review, I want to ask you, Aaron, okay. what makes a best musical? Because here we go. Phantom of the Opera wins direction, sets, costumes, lights, and actor for Michael Crawford. Into the Woods wins best score and book, as well as best actress for Joanna Gleason. Mm-hmm. What makes a musical? Is it the book and the score? Is it the direction and the production? I I don't know an answer to this, but I certainly think this is a a Tony Awards where Hmm. we're forced to reckon with that question. That is an
1: interesting conundrum, and I feel like that would lead to many a collegiate argument across theater programs everywhere. Because arguably, the actor and actress aside, obviously the Best Musical win aside, you have the bones of the show, which one show won, Versus the skin of the show, which the other show won.
0: Well, it comes back to art and commerce. I used to sing a song when I was an actor. Mm -hmm. It was to love and marriage, you know, the theme of to married with children. Oh, yeah. And it would go, art and commerce, art and commerce, come together and they make my paycheck. (laughs) But (laughs) that balance of like, right, are the Tony Awards a commercial Or are the Tony Awards heralding the most important pieces of our art form?
1: Well, I think, and also what's interesting is to get super deep amongst all of the things that we've discussed, this podcast and our previous podcast, in every year, even the fictional year, we come across this tension of what is overarchingly better, the critically acclaimed artistic property or the commercial crowd-pleasing property. <laughs> like
0: The it's... show that closed after a year and a half at the Martin Beck or the show that's been running for 32 years pre-shutdown
1: yeah. at the Majestic. The one that played out of town in Boston and had three different leads or the one that came up from New York Theater Workshop and is playing at the, what what was it called again? I don't know what shows you're talking about. I'm talking about Hit List and Bombshell.
0: Oh, you're talking about Bombshell. Oh God, I've been... Find... I, was, I don't know how I forgot that. I was like in my head going like, Into the Woods had three different principles. Okay. And The Phantom and The Opno. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I'm literally like, even in the fictional representation of our world, this argument is still happening. And I don't know, what do you, like, do you have a solid opinion? Because I don't know if I do.
0: Well, I think you have to decide whether the Tony Awards are about art or they're about commerce. And I think for the people at the top, they're about commerce. It's about it's a it's a it's a ticket selling venue, and so you're trying to sell tickets to this production. You're not trying to say to the children of the theater thirty years from now that Into the Woods is going to be the show they do in middle school because it's a better show than Phantom. You're trying to say come to Phantom because it's on Broadway right now, and you should spend one hundred and forty dollars on a ticket.
1: Hmm. I don't know if I agree. Only just because. In a perfect world, the best musical encompasses both of those things.
0: Yeah, but maybe there is no such thing as a best musical.
1: I mean, did Hamilton, or producers, win all of these awards at any point? And therefore, are those arguably the best musicals of our generation?
0: Well, Hamilton is.
1: Hey, but producer still has the record.
0: <sighs> why are you mm, no no but that's personal preference I don't know it's like and here we are see <laughs> Rogers in 1991 it's like okay so you were all like rich white men and you awarded other rich white men for seeing yourselves in sh- stories good job yeah you.
1: so I think at the end of the day it's all arbitrary so no one knows someone is on your
2: side our side. Our side someone else is not while we're seeing our side
0: Let's talk about our Yelp review. Okay. Which performance made the show look better than it was?
1: Romance, or romance, hands down.
0: I think Serafina. I was like, pop into those tunes. Sure. I wanted it.
1: I could, buy, I could buy both. I mean, Romance, or romance just delightfully touched my 80s soul. Because you're an old, old man. Correct. Uh, what performance made you want to buy a ticket?
0: Patty Lapone. Just. Belt at me, just Pat. <laughs> Do you notice how I said Patty Lapone and not not anything else? else. You just <laughs> said <laughs> Patty Lepone. I am just ready for a show that includes <laughs> Patty Lepone belting at me and other things.
1: I mean, we didn't say what performance of a show. We just said what performance. Period. So yeah, there you go. I'm gonna like blow your mind. The performance that made me want to buy a ticket was a play.
0: The plays are the ones with without the singing. Correct.
1: <laughs> Joe Turner's Come and Gone. That scene had me riveted. They had me on at the edge of my seat. Those two minutes, I was like, I will watch this show. And I love Into the Woods. I like Phantom of the Opera. None of those had me as viscerally as Joe Turner's Come and Gone did. And I'm, And that's why I'm just like, okay, this is the way I guess we do plays. Because after that performance, I would have wanted to watch it. You would have
0: forked out your money for it. Which speech moved you the most? I had a lot of these, actually.
1: My three... I really liked a lot of speeches. So, acceptance speeches. I loved B.D. Wong's, Ron Silver's, and David Henry Huang's. B.D. Wong, in thanking his parents, is so excited that he accidentally says his parents' address in San Francisco, oh, right? which Wait, I was, was like, a, was that a mistake? Yes. I texted him after. Okay. I was like, did you mean to say your parents' address? And he was like, I said my parents' address. And I was like, sounds like you did. <laughs> That's all Do like, Your
0: parents live at boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Ron Silver literally reads himself about making fun of sentimentality in award shows when he watches them at home. And then proceeds to be like, I'm about to be super sentimental right now. To which he is and is lovely in thanking his family. It's so wonderful. And David Hunu Huang is just so excited about winning that he jumps. On Stuart Ostro from across the stage, and then proceeds to be smiling from ear to ear for his whole speech. Biggest surprise win?
0: Looking at, it, I think maybe it's Joanna Gleason. Not that I don't think she deserves it for the Baker's Wife. The Baker's Wife is probably a much more complex role than Reno Sweeney in Anything Goes. But like, like I said, that's a stacked category, and the fact that you know Baker's Wife is kind of understated and
1: and Patty Lapone is Patty Lapone
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I've never questioned that win, but I—but up against the other nominees, I was like,
1: oh, good for you. Okay. Minus a similar surprise, only because I don't consider the role that she won for to be a Tony Award winning role, as you probably could tell from...
0: Tell when you said Carlotta's a Tony Award winning role.
1: Correct. <laughs> yes. So Judy Kay, I mean, again, completely deserving. I'm sure she was fantastic in the role. I just... Never thought that Carlotta would be a Tony Award-winning role in Phantom of the Opera. Would you recommend watching the 1988 Tony Awards telecast, Mel?
0: This was a good one. Mm -hmm. Maybe the performances of the nominated musicals were my kind of least excited part. I liked the the sort of whole thing. I liked Madonna. I liked the Michael Bennett tribute. Like, it was all sort of—it
1: was a good Tony Awards to watch, and under two hours. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, especially for that Michael Bennett tribute— Again, it's one of my favorites ever. Um, for, but also for the best presentation of plays that we've had thus far in our watches. Again, I would buy a ticket because of those plays. And you know how much I watch plays. <laughs> and I will say my, one of my favorite things was the gratitude that all the Into the Woods and M. Butterfly wins all had when they received their awards. The gratitude of the recipients and the appreciation that the audience had for them. I thought those were really wonderful to watch.
0: So um, at the end of our last episode, we randomly selected our next Tony Award telecast to watch. It is the 2009 Tony Awards. So we have the following week and you do as well to watch them. And uh, we will be bringing you our most surprising findings.
1: The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano. And me, Mo Brady.
0: Special thanks to Wasif Sammy for providing the background research for this Broadway season. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And the second is by becoming a Patreon member, which you can do at patreon.com slash The
1: Please follow The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts. On Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time.